International Media Ministries presents dramatic scriptwriting with award-winning screenwriter and director Bart Gavigan. Lesson 7. Kramer versus Kramer and True Character. By an excellent writer called Robert Benton. And it was basically his first real film as director. And he won an Academy Award for everything, basically. <laughs> it won lots, and quite deservedly. Um, and so I'll just look at a few of the craft elements that you should maybe have seen in there by now, started to see, just in terms of what we've been talking about. So clearly there's a hero in this film, yes? And clearly this hero has a want. Could anyone articulate what the want is? What's the want in this film that lasts right to the end of the film? It's a, it's a, a very interesting want. It's, it's very direct, but it's never stated at any point in the film, in a way. It's acted out and decisions are made around it. What's his want? To be loved and to be part of? Not to be fragmented. So the family would be a whole? Okay. I, that's good. I would say the want is very specific. Remember, you have, the want has to be specific in a film? So that's, that's good, but it's too general for me. What's the specific want in this film, the thing that drives the film? Who is the person who, about whom the film is about? Child. It's about the boy. So what does the hero want? What? He wants his son, okay? He wants his son, okay? Or if you want to put that another way, he wants to be a father, okay? He wants his son. He de those are the, definitely, whatever way you're going to describe this, is going to that want's going to have to be described in terms of that little boy, okay? There is no other sustaining want in this film, is there not? I don't see one. You know, it's, this is the specific want in the film, okay? Does the hero have a wound? Describe to me what the wound of this man is. When you look at this man at the beginning of the film, what do you see? Describe to me what you see at the beginning of the film. What's he doing? How's he behaving? Is he caring for his family? Huh? He's irresponsible, careless, he works late, he doesn't care less about the family. Okay? This is a wound. In other words, uh, in our culture it's so common we don't think of it as a wound. And one of the, the, the most brilliant things about this film, okay, is it takes something that is so common in the culture and actually takes the audience on a moral journey in regard to it. And actually says, let's have a look at this. Let's have a look at what it means to work so hard and so obsessively that you actually totally neglect your responsibilities to family. You don't even know you should be doing that. I mean, it's just not an issue. He's so far, his wound is so deep that it's not even an issue to him. He doesn't feel badly about getting home late. It's normal. Why doesn't his wife understand? Why doesn't his family understand? So the wound uh, is his whole attitude to the balance of life, his whole attitude to relationship. He's totally, in a word, self-centered. 
What his life is about is him, his career. His, it's not about the whole of his responsibilities or what he's committed to. It's about him, his career, what he wants, what he enjoys doing, what he's good at. It's just unfortunately got married and had children, you know, had a child. And does he grow? Does he grow in the place of his wound? Where, where is he like? Is he, is he in the same place at the end of the film as where he begins? No. No, he changes. Okay? So he grows in the place of his wound, okay? What's his problem at the beginning of the film? What? Good. Is there a problem before that? Before he gets home, is there a problem? Emotion. Yes, very good. He's got a problem. And it's an interesting problem. It's what he wants, but it's a problem. Okay? And we, and we see the tug of this problem. You know, guys, I, I should be going home. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> what time is it now sort of thing. Uh, and so the problem, we're already starting to see not only the, the major problem, which is, of course, the wife leaving him and so on. That's a major problem. But we also start to see a minor problem, which becomes more and more major, which we're going to actually see relates directly to the wound. Is this story told dynamically? Is it told in a linear fashion? Do you think this is a plodding story? What do you think? Dynamic. Huh? Dynamic. Dynamic. Okay. Yeah, it's basically, there are bits of plot in it. There are bits where they didn't work hard enough in the middle of the film. But basically, this is a dynamic film. I mean, any film that begins where you walk in the door and your wife's walking out the door, you're dealing with dynamic storytelling. You're not dealing with plod here. You, do you understand? Okay. Did you care about him? Now speak up. I want to hear you. Yes. Did you care? Uh, what? Wonderful. You did. Good. The writer did his job. Is there much story in this film? Not really. I agree. There's not much backstory in this film. There's a little, but it's, it's, does it turn the film, the backstory? Is it used to actually drive the, the story forward at different points? Not really. No. So this is a good example of where, you know, are, are these things necessary? No, these are tools. These are things that, if you want to have backstory, if you... When will you have backstory in your film? When you absolutely need it. You'll know it. So I'm sure that Benton knew his backstory. Don't ask me questions. <laughs> okay. Um, ghost. Is there a ghost in this story? Hmm? What? Yeah, is, is, there, is there a ghost in the story? Is there an incident? Is there a person that's waiting there to explode? No, there's no ghost in this story. No, not really. Okay. Uh, did you think that the life of the story lost out because of craft? Or did you think craft enhanced the life of the story? What do you think? Did you sit there feeling these characters are shallow, this is mechanistic, this is plot-driven? What do you think? Oh, it had life, yes? Yeah, because this is a good writer. And what happens in Kramer versus Kramer? What's the worst thing that happens to Kramer? We've talked about it.
We've just said it, right? Which is that, okay, it seems pretty bad. His wife leaves and so on, but it gets worse. And the worst thing is that he is going to lose his son. That's, for him, the worst thing. That, uh, that's what it amounts to. Okay. Then you, the next question you say is, how could this be the best thing that ever happened to him in terms of his wound, in terms of his soul, in terms of his being, in terms of his life, okay? Start to see how that impacts on Kramer. Start, start to see how a question like that could have a meaning when you're facing a script like this. And then just reverse it. So what's the best thing that happens to a hero that turns out to be the worst possible thing that could have ever happened to him? Very simple questions, you know, just no big deal. Do you remember I said that the craft of, of screenplay writing? Screenplay writing as an art form is the art form. Writing novels is piffle compared to this. And I, I say that advisedly, okay? You know, this is the art form. And it's not because the rules, the, the, the principles are difficult. They're very simple. It's just that the complexity comes because you are holding so many of them together. And in, and in front of a script, you have so many of them to actually ask. Okay? That's what makes this a, a great art form. Okay? And we'll look at what happens if you can actually do this. And we'll look at what happens, say, in terms of Kramer, what happens when you actually can do this and what um, the consequences of that are. Center of good. So the good that Kramer, what does he want? Remember what he wants? He wants his son. Center of good in this film equals parent. Whatever that means. What does it mean to be a parent? That's the big theme in this film. That's, that's the, the essence. What is responsibility? What is love? What, is, uh, what does it mean to be a parent? So here you have a, a center of good, uh, which is, to, and this word encounters all those things, love, responsibility, okay. And um, so what happens is, uh, as he goes through the first act, what does he encounter? Does life uh, encourage you to be a good parent in his world? Does his world allow you to be a good parent? No. No. So he, enc he encounters it, these foothills, which basically where the assumption is that, you know, parents, parent, parenting is a hobby. <laughs> That's the assumption of his world, right? is it not? Parenting's a hobby, you know? And if you want to do your hobby, don't do it in work hours. You know? We're doing serious business here, and hobbies have their place, but they're not here. Okay. And then uh, he's also encountering, by the way, his, 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 on the inner line of his own wound, he's encountering his own total irresponsibility, is he not? He's encountering... Uh, the fact that he knows nothing about his child, basically. <laughs> That's clearly brought out, is it not? He doesn't know a thing about what goes on in the child's life, really. The child is a hobby to him. And so he's encountering, as it were, the contrary to being a parent. He's having to, to learn and, and to, uh, to be challenged, and, and he's encountering the obstacles to parenthood. Or to, 
And then uh, what happens in the sec second act? What what's really starts to hit at the heart of parenthood? What starts to, what happens? Who's the enemy in this film? Who's the, uh, not the enemy, but the, the opposition? Hmm? Yeah, the mother. Very good. Remember, the, the, the opposition isn't good or bad. It's just the person who gets in the way of the desire, and the desire is he wants this boy. So who gets most in the way? Of course, the mother. It's called Kramer versus Kramer. Title's a giveaway. Um, okay, and so you have the court case, okay? And this is serious now, because in this court case, people have to drag up things, say things uh, that are incredibly destructive. So suddenly, uh, the court case, in a sense, is like the opposite to being a good parent. So what's happening in that court is the opposite to being responsible, being loving, being a parent, okay? It's the opposite to the center of good. This is a place where the, the moral unities get divided. This is a place where the moral line gets trespassed, you know? We see it, don't we? Yeah? That's powerful. But that is not the end of the line. Where's the end of the line in this film? What's the moment when the end of the line is presented? When she wants to keep the remember, it's it's that that's the opposite. In other words, he wants to, that, that's the opposite to what. But the end of the line, who presents the end of the line to him? A character does, and you, you were talking what? The lawyer, and the lawyer says, "If you want your son, put him on the stand. If you want your son, throw him to the wolves." If you want your son, let the end justify the mean. Let the means justify the end, okay? If you want your son, let's get morally queasy. Let's go into the dark hinterland of means and ends, okay? Let us enter the place where you lose your soul. And what do the audience do? Remember what the great fear of the audience is? And do you know the power of this film? the great power of this film, the audience at that point don't even get what's at issue is his soul. The audience say, yeah, maybe you should put him on the stand because really that boy would be better with you, okay? We've seen how he's doing well with you. We've seen, you know, do you see me? So the audience are sort of suddenly in this incredible place where they usually never are. Usually the audience are incredibly moral. Usually they're right there saying, don't put him on the stand. You know, they usually know exactly what's, and now suddenly the audience don't know. So when the lawyer says, put him on the stand, they half expect the boy's going to be put on the stand, do they not? They're prepared for that now. And the reason it's prepared them for it is because they actually think, goodness, you've got to hold on to this boy. You know, the boy's... And you have this situation where it's the character who actually points to the audience and says, I'll never do that. That is the moral dark lands that I will never go to. That is the shadow lands that have no interest to me. So however much I love my son, that's where I'll not go. And that is the negation of negation. That's the super opposite. That's the opposite to being a parent, where you actually will throw your son to the wolves for what you think is the good. Okay? And he looks the negation, negation in the face and says, I will never have what I want rather than do that. And that's what gives this film its huge power. 
he had to face, look in the face, not the opposite, but the super opposite. Do you understand? He had to find himself in, and define who he was in front of that. What films do, and, and, and what that film does, traditionally, okay, is when you meet the hero, you are meeting him before the story begins. You're meeting him the way he lived his life yesterday. Okay? That would be the phrase that sums it up. So Dustin Hoffman is living his life the way he lived it yesterday. Then his wife walks out. And from that point on, his story begins. Now, at first in the story, it's not going to become obvious to him that his life changed. So he tries to go on living his life, do you know what I mean, the, the way he's always lived it. And slowly it dawns on him, this isn't working. He has to make choices, okay? And, and that's the whole point. You put pressure on the hero to make choices. And, and do you remember I said we're conservative? So he, he tries to do the least to preserve his life and the new life. He tries to do the least he can do and then finds that doesn't work. So then he has to go more extreme. Finally, he has to give up his, you know, to reach a point where basically he's putting in a position of being sacked. He has to take a lesser job and all this stuff. So uh, he discovers his desire. In other words, the audience often, often know the character's desire way before they do. Dustin Hoffman is still trying to juggle all the balls and doesn't yet know that he is moving inexorably towards his want. The audience already know. I mean, the audience know from the moment that uh, they had that wonderful scene um, with his boss where he's saying, uh, the boss is basically saying, now, do you think you can hack this? And he says, don't worry, I'll be there. I can, uh, and the audience is saying, no, you won't. You, you, you know, everything he says, the audience reverses. They, know, they understand subtext. And the whole way why that scene is so brilliant is there's a choreography in the direction of hands. So he's, he's making definitive gestures, and the more definitive the gestures, the more we know they're less definitive. You know, he's saying, I'll be there. I'll, you know, <laughs> of course, he's not going to be there. And the boss is sort of doing these things with his glasses and doing... And it's a beautiful choreography of hands that actually is the subtext of the film, okay, which is the opposite to what's being said. Okay. But, uh, no, uh, uh, ideally it can evolve, the shape of it can be clarified, but you shouldn't change the want. So there's an evolution, but not a, a complete, total break. True character. Um, story, remember, just follows life. It doesn't mirror life. It actually, its power comes from understanding life, how life works, what is at the heart of life, what's the essence of life. Uh, story is always moral. Why? Because the audience is so moral. Very interesting, this, and uh, we've looked at that. How could the audience be moral when in life they're totally immoral, amoral? But as soon as they touch story, they become moral because it's the place of the divine hope in them. Hope is a theological virtue. It's one of the three theological virtues, okay? Uh, the divine hope in them that never dies, okay? And it resurrects as soon as they walk in that cinema or as soon as they walk in that theater or as soon as they pick up that novel, okay? So true character. You look at me and um, what do you see? You see someone who's six feet tall. He's got brown, slightly greeny eyes. He's wearing a nice sweater from Colorado. He's got a, a slight stoop because his posture's so bad. My wife calls it a hump, but we'll call it a slight stoop. Um, 
I drive a certain car, I speak with a certain accent. And you could surmise things about me, okay? And what these are called, these externals, are called characteristics. These are characteristics. Uh, they tell you something about my character, but actually not very much, okay? Uh, probably how you're able to discern my character best is actually uh, through my spirit, okay? Do you understand? When you look at this, you just... That's what tells you. It's not my clothes particularly, or, but the spirit or the way one talks or the... and so on. However, uh, true character is only revealed, ultimately, by our moral choices under pressure. Okay? So true character, as always, is revealed by action. And what we would call true character is, in a sense, the, the, the moral and the spiritual core of my being. My heart, as the Bible would say, my deep heart. What is the heart of a man? What is, what is, what is my heart? William Faulkner, the, the novelist, uh, was able to define the hero in a, in a fairly classic definition that everyone uses. And the reason for that was that for his sins, poor old Faulkner spent a time in Hollywood as a script writer. I think it helped him to make this definition. The hero is an appealing character struggling against seemingly insurmountable odds towards a worthy goal, okay? An appealing character struggling against insurmountable odds towards a worthy goal, okay? If the goal isn't worthy, the audience don't go with him on the journey, okay? Uh, a long time before that, as we saw yesterday, Aristotle said, action is character. Action <coughs> is character. In other words, uh, again, true character is revealed in action, in choices. It's not what we say. It's what we do, act, choose. And as, as we've said, that's um, an excellent principle in life. Robert McKee, uh, I think is the great teacher in this area of true character. Robert McKee has uh, taken what Kazan has said. They've all sort of, sort of said the same thing. I, I just like the way he puts it, Robert McKee. He, he says, um, true character is only revealed in the actions of a character under pressure, in his moral choices under pressure, and the greater the pressure, the greater the revelation of character. Very important, okay? So it's revealed by his moral choices under pressure, and the greater the pressure, the greater the revelation of character. So what are you going to do in your stories to your character? You're going to put him under pressure, right? And because you want to reveal character, you're going to put him under great pressure, yes? Not piddling little pressure great pressure, because you want to reveal moral choices under pressure. And um, 
Again, don't look at what they say, you know, don't look at what your characters say. Do you remember the famous example of this is Rick in Casablanca, who begins the film by saying, I stick my neck out for no one. And what's he going to do? He's going to stick his neck out for everyone <laughs> throughout the movie, right? So don't, don't, don't look for true character in what the character says about themselves or what people say about them. Look at what they do. Okay? Look at what they do. And McKee tells a, a, a great story, uh, a great illustration, a great parable uh, about true character versus characteristics. He says, uh, there's a school bus in America, a big yellow school bus in America. It's driving down a back lane, comes to a corner, and there's a slick of oil. So the bus skids, goes off the road, shoots through a hedge into a field, turns over and bursts into flames. And behind the bus is a farmer in a pickup, an old farmer in a pickup, he's about 50, 55, dungarees, pickup. And behind that is a guy, a yuppie in a Porsche. Okay? So the school bus bursts into flame. And in the moments that follow, true character as opposed to characteristics are going to be revealed. So the Porsche, the Filofax, the nice suit, those are all characteristics. They don't ultimately reveal true character. The denim dungarees, the pickup, the farmer's soiled hands, those are characteristics. They don't tell you how they respond in these moments to those children being burnt in the bus are going to tell you about true character as opposed to characteristics. And that is the whole essence of story. The whole essence of story is about the revelation of true character, okay? It's, a, it's about many, many things, but, but, but right at the heart of it is this revelation of character. And um, we'll look at a minute in Kramer in those terms, okay? So what film does is, is bit by bit, it, it, it peels off, it rips off the mask of characteristics. Characteristics are a mask often for true character. And life surprises you. So often it's the yuppie who plunges into the bus and pulls people out. It's interesting. Life, as in film, often surprises you. Who would have thought that down the front of Kramer versus Kramer, Dustin Hoffman was going to end up sacrificing himself to the ultimate, eh? I wouldn't have. Life surprises you. Story surprises you. It has to surprise you if it's great. Because remember the rule? You give the audience what they expect, what they want. You give the audience what they want, but not in the way they expect it. Okay. So, there's a term for this. And the term is you take your character to the end of the line. You take your character to the end of the line. Um, Christian films have never aspired to this. That's why they are almost universally not great films. As soon as you start to aspire to this, you put yourself in the major league. As soon as you aspire to taking a character to the end of the line, you're here to the end of the line, you become major league. And of course, you set yourself up for major failure. 
if you don't pull it off, okay? Or if you don't uh, face the stress you're going to come under to try and take someone to the end of the line. Um, we'll see in a minute where Christians stop. There's a very definite station where they all get off, okay? And we'll look at that and why, why, why that's so. Uh, 